Hello and welcome to Voices and in Innovation from GigaOM. I am your host, Johnny Baldisberger. Today we have another special episode sponsored by HCL. Analyst David Linthicum will be speaking with Kuleen Kumar, the CTO and CVP of IT Services from HCL. Here today is our special guest, uh, Kalyan Kumar, better known as KK, and he's the CVP and CTO, uh, IT Services at HCL Technology. Welcome, KK. How you doing? Hey, David. I'm doing good. So, how about you? I'm doing awesome, man. So, what's the day in the li- day in the life of KK? I'm interested, always interested to know what people actually do with their day. What's you know, what's on a Monday? What's on a Tuesday? What's on a Wednesday? You know, what are you doing? Yeah, that's a good question. It is, if you want to answer, we should always have a pre-COVID and a post-COVID answer to this. Uh, when the world was normal, pretty much 140 days a year, I was in some part of the world, traveling and meeting customers, partners, and uh, industry. Uh, during this period now, it's actually it's doubled up. In spite of you've saved on your travel time, so uh, the teams around you decided to make you work uh, double the time. So it's pretty much uh, in spite of uh, aeroplanes and airports, it just keeps hopping between Teams and Zoom and Google Meet and WebEx. <laughs> yep. So uh, uh, that's the day. Uh, yeah. But I believe in this philosophy called work life integration. So I don't have a time saying that I'm going to, uh, I, I mix both of them uh, across the week just to make sure that I'm able to get my personal work done along with my professional work. So I think uh, it, it, it's important that rather than trying to balance it, you just integrate it and make sure you're giving it an equal uh, treatment on both. Yeah. I found that my productivity is just shut off, you know, shut off the planet now that I don't have to, uh, you know, sit on planes, trains, and automobiles, which takes, takes up a lot more time than you expect, you know, sitting in cars and things like that. You try to be productive, but it's very difficult to kind of sit down and formulate a contiguous thought and things like that. So you think basically the way in which we're doing work now is uh, better, uh, worse, or indifferent? You know, time would tell. I think, see, productivity is one aspect of this, David, but we need to see, I would say, uh, the certain things like ideation, certain things like there are things you could do face-to-face. There are things which you can do in a more... Uh, different setting, correct, uh, is something which is the only thing. Productivity, no questions asked, improved dramatically. Uh, you can now choose not to travel before you had this problem of trying to find ways to travel and adjust your schedule. But now you could decide not to travel for most of this time if you want to. But I think uh, there is a other side to this whole story of how to make sure that you find ways to keep people, humans are social animals, correct? So how do you bring that aspect back in, in many in, in ways we do and deal with things? Yeah, I mean, going forward, um, you know, I guess I've been social distancing for the last 20 years, so it's kind of natural to me. But, you know, it is, you do miss working directly with clients and, you know, going out and visiting people and, and the camaraderie of seeing your, you know, seeing your uh, your teammates one to another. So let's talk about that a bit. You guys have focused on really kind of the changes around the pandemic and responded to the pandemic and, and leveraging technology kind of as a force multiplier to to make mm-hmm. things better. And you guys have this notion of digital playing. And can you can, can you tell me a bit about that and, and what that means to the remote worker and basically the changing way in which we're doing work? 
Yeah, so I think so the way we, we've been using this uh, more, the digital playing level is, is more of a, a concept which I've been really, this came out of in the middle of the lockdown. Uh, it, it, it's about, it's equivalent of, uh, there is a form of game, a very popular English game called cricket. Uh, and uh, you have a format of a game called the test match, which you play for five days, correct? Which is, I think, the longest ever playing uh, format of any sport. And there are so many conditions and factors which comes into uh, play. Uh, and if you look at the situation in COVID, it's, 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 I use this analogy of trying to say that you walk into a, game and you're not able to control the conditions you still have to play it could be overcast skies and other stuff so i really we use this concept of a playing level of which there are many other things one needs to do which is really across three buckets david so uh, social business and technology uh, and effectively if you really look at what's happening is around us and you mentioned social distancing this lockdown unlockdown semi-lockdown circuit breakers all kinds of new methods trying to uh, being implemented to arrest the spread of the infection it's causing a lot of physical and mental trauma correct to uh, to people i think that, that that's one aspect uh, the businesses as we know it's, it's going through a domino effect correct? one after another supply chain disruption operations getting impacted uh, businesses really s- struggling uh, across certain sectors are really impacted like travel transportation uh, uh, certain parts of retail hospitality and there's a dovetail effect coming to many other uh, sectors too including healthcare correct with a lot of uh, uh, elective procedures are getting put on hold. So I think it's, it's got an effect. And then there is technology, which we're seeing on the brighter side, uh, is helping companies connect, uh, bring in ability to work remote, any location, contactless, newer ways to do things. So the playing level was really about what does one need to do is to look at technology layer, which is the easier thing, which is around how do you enable fluid workspace or workplace, correct? How do you make a workplace fluid? How do you cloudify your workloads? How do you adapt your security? How do you modernize your applications? That was the more of the tech layer. And there's a lot of layering happening on the business, which is uh, how do you rewire your business? How do you become true digital? I think a lot of companies today, I call them as front office digital, but they look digital, but they are not digital, correct? And there's a huge difference between looking and being. I think that's rewiring is a big piece. Supply chain reimagination, we're seeing that as a big, big play with a lot of our customers. Country dependency, geography dependency, uh, hyper-localization, and connecting global and local. We're seeing a big push around iotization, which is about contactless. uh, uh, The things around which is enable IoT more because of remote and contactless. And then about a lot of content OTTification we are seeing. That's the pattern. But the most important thing, David, in my perspective is there is a human aspect to this whole thing. How do you make the world more sustainable? How do you integrate work life? How do you make health being a center of of an individual, citizen, employee, enterprise, and, and this whole aspect of empathy and being human? So I think the way we look at this is how do you make sure that you just don't are not looking at the upside of technology, but how are you using this to impact a larger good around the community, the company, the enterprise, the customers, and the ecosystem. Now, I love the term you guys use, fluid workplaces. Now, the ability to, in essence, in, in, they're called flex workplaces or whatever, but the idea and how you define it is really the ability to have the environment adapt around the needs of the employees and the needs of the business, not necessarily 
making people adhere to some sort of a static standard. And I think that's great. I think a lot of people are being, you know, inflexible in terms of how they're leveraging technology and what technology they're able to leverage. And they're, they're doing so with the, you know, mantra of security and productivity. And the reality is you can have a very flexible workplace and still mm-hmm. have a secure workplace and a productive workplace. So tell me what your, what your thoughts are there. You know, I think, so if, if you go back and I, and I always say, correct, infrastructure uh, and operations is a very tankless business. Uh, you don't remember these folks till the time something breaks or uh, something really gets impacted. And I think that's what the pandemic realized, made a lot of people realize that the core of the infrastructure modernization, workplace modernization is very, very crucial. And that's where two, three things got realized. The first is companies designed their workplace to be people work in offices and there are telecommuters, correct? Like 15, 20%, 30%. It varies across different companies, correct? Then they realize, oh, looks like pretty much every one of my knowledge worker, I need to make them work remote. And, and, and this is not about telecommuting. It's about getting access to all the applications, all the services, all the capabilities, irrespective of what location you are in. So things around three fundamental things came in out of this whole fluid workspace discussion. The first thing is, is about how do I get ubiquitous, seamless connectivity? And, and if your home is becoming the new workplace, you are now competing for bandwidth and traffic across uh, your children's at home, your OTT traffic at home, your other broadband traffic at home, along with your work traffic. So one big thing was, hey, uh, I, I need to reimagine the way, because initially it was easy, right? you got people connected, but then they started to realize it's, it's, it's impacting performance and productivity. So reimagining the network, the uh, like people talking about SD-WAN at home, right? extending that kind of a mindset. The second big important fact was zero trust security model. It's becoming extremely important because you need to create a mechanism where you could bring the same level of physical and cyber say cyber physical security combination which you had in a workplace at a remote location or at uh, home offices so that's becoming a very important piece the third is about how do you enable those capabilities or collaboration productivity r- virtual workspaces uh, ability to communicate uh, uh, even remote ux monitoring support things you need to reimagine the whole nine yards including devices and other uh, other aspects so this is where we really looked at fluid workplace as ability to take a customer and also to manage their digital dexterity, right? You've got three, four generations of, uh, I would say digital generations of people working uh, in a remote environment. So how do you make sure your support services, a lot of those pe- people are enabled in the whole uh, life cycle. So that's what is fluid workspace all about. It's about how do you enable workplace in a fluid way irrespective of the location and by enabling all this catalog of services which is complemented by something called a safe sense which is about how do i bring people back to work um, wherever we need to bring them back to work in a more secure way so how do we do this how do we how do enterprises transform you know how do we ensure that the organization is going to be future ready you know what are some of the things that we should be planning for now for 2021 2022 so, so let me address this in two parts. The first is on the workplace. I think uh, from a workplace standpoint, it becomes a very important piece of the larger being digital. Uh, 
and it needs someone to reimagine their user personas into micro personas because historically we had a very broad based user profiling of who our users are in an enterprise it needs to go through a fundamental reset because now you can't have like okay he's a task worker he's a frontline he's like whatever it needs to become more broad based in terms of the role they're performing the kind of environment they're operating in correct so i think that's there's a lot of work around user profiling and creating micro personas that's 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 one the, the second piece is <clears throat> is a lot of times we've been dragging our feet uh, as enterprise it and even lines of business around adopting some of the new capabilities which are now proven correct especially even we still have a lot of this conversation about cloud correct oh uh, should we add how should we adopt cloud what can go to cloud what can't go to cloud the effective factor is it we have to move away from those conversations and especially in the last 6 8 months people have realized that hey i think there is a value in this whole model correct it's, it's it's about where is what is commodity versus what is value and people are realizing that so that's that's the second piece thing and the third important thing which i'm really starting to see with customers is that uh ability to start to evaluate the ecosystem approach correct which means that you are no more thinking about i want to do everything myself right it's about curating ecosystems for each each company the ecosystem could be different correct but you curate a set of ecosystem based on your industry your business and then try to find a way to thrive in that ecosystem rather than trying to duplicate everything everyone else is doing or trying to replicate scale and commodity which which i think in, in this point in time the focus should be to really uh, uh, push the value uh, levers up rather than worrying about mm, what do i want to build everything myself So what are some of the innovations at HCL that you guys are doing to work on this problem? So, so let, let me put this in three perspectives. Correct? So one is uh, from a services standpoint if you really see HCL has two broad set of services, one is IT and business services, which is where we do infrastructure apps, digital, IoT, cloud, cyber. And then we have engineering and R&D, which is a sizable part of our uh, business where we do work on Uh, engineering at scale and helping do work across VLSI embedded mechanical aero auto med devices uh, and it, it it's full stack engineering right so including from components to the whole nine yards so there we are really uh, and then the third is our software business which is uh, we've got a pretty thriving uh, billion dollar plus uh, software products business which is growing so couple of things which we've really looked at one is we've adopted this ecosystem model ourselves so we've created uh an ecosystem strategy and supported by ecosystem units so we've created uh, we've identified three ecosystems which we're going to operate in so one is the cloud and ai platform ecosystem or what we call the platform economy the big platform players and creating full stack units around them second is around the startup ecosystem how do we work and thrive in the edge work with the edge the newer Uh, startups and really connect them to the enterprise demand which is using our startup ecosystem and the third is our industry forum and working with all the open source open innovation and bodies like uh, cncf cff uh, world economic forum the open group and and, and some of the uh, 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 other things so uh, that's the way we are really looking at and 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 on the cloud and ai ecosystem uh, uh, we need to really look at uh, we've created 
hyperscaler specific business units uh, which are uh, very very uh, focused in terms of like we have a aws unit a google unit a microsoft unit an ibm uh, red hat unit these are full stack capabilities which connect uh, it and business services engineering and our software uh, capabilities and enable a go to market from that standpoint so let's let's say you're talking to a CIO and CEO that are you know looking to in essence figure out where things are moving forward. They're going to have to deal with a you know new normal in terms of how people are going to work and how businesses are going to run. What would the top three things you would tell them to address that really are critical to their success? And how is HCL innovating in those directions? Hey David, I, I missed your question. Just the, the audio went a bit uh, off. It's all right. Let's wait five seconds. I'll ask it again. So let's say there's a CEO and CIO that you're addressing and, and they're in essence trying to figure out where the market is going to go or where the technology is going to go to really kind of support this new normal. So mm-hmm. what would your advice be to them that where they need to focus on over the next two, three years? So I would really put this into three buckets. Currently, if you looked at the current normal, shifting the new normal, the first phase was what we call survive. And then we have stabilize, and then you have thrive. Have managed to pull through the survive stage. Obviously, a few of them have not, have been under a lot of struggle. Uh, the second part now is to really figure out relook at your business in three ways, correct? If you're really looking at uh, your digital enabling your entire business. So you need to really start to relook at saying that, hey, do I have the right foundation to to run a digital business? And the foundation could include (coughs) what we call as technology components, correct? Or, Or technology capabilities, foundational capabilities, like things like your workplace being fluid, correct? Ability to adopt a cloud, in a hybrid cloud model, ability to do uh, zero trust security architecture, ability to create a service management and an architecture to support this whole thing. Then you really start to figure out what business capabilities you are really turning on, which is about re-architecting application, building new apps, adopting um, B2C, B2B, M2M, any one of those motions, correct? Uh, Looking at digital enablement, IoT, looking at all the components required to convert the organization into a product thinking, whatever the core activities you do to create digital capability. And the third bucket, which we think is extremely important, is running operations digitally, both IT operations, cyber operations, and process operations, which is your business processes. So when you look at a foundation technology layer supporting with the business capability or your applications and, and processes, the, the crux is about how do you make operations seamlessly glue into this new fabric. That's something which we are really telling customers to relook at this whole thing in terms of where you could really create impact, look at the whole stack across foundation, business, and operations, and then really start to reimagine the way you want to allocate dollars, take cost out, uh, and, and then make your organization lean or focus around these objectives. Because one of the things which people have realized, at least David, in the last six, eight months, is they've suddenly figured out what is real cost, 
versus what is inflated cost. And, and I think customers have realized that very quickly in the market. And I think it's becoming very important for them to spend in the right areas and reallocate their investments. So moving forward, we're looking at different technologies that are going to be kind of key enablers moving forward. And I've noticed you guys have done some innovation and some research in the quantum quantum computing uh, emerging market. I've been watching that for a long period of time. So what ultimately is the value of that technology and how are you guys innovating that technology? So, so this is an interesting uh, question. So, David, so we, because we also are in the core engineering business, we are very in very early stages working with both the big uh, computing folks and those startups, especially in core areas around materials, superconductors. We're doing a lot of work in control systems, analog, which are all surrounding what's happening on quantum. So effectively, if I really look at quantum uh, is a fundamental shift towards the way you do computing, correct? It's not a faster classical computer, correct? It's, it's fundamentally a very different approach to do computing, which is really harnessing the quantum mechanical properties which exist. So it's, it's, it would say, uh, I, uh, the way I really put this is, we have a computer which today does uh, classical computing is about solving mathematical problems. Everything is reduced to a mathematical problem. I think quantum really helps you solve problems which are uh, fundamentally in the physics and chemistry space, correct? It's really looking at core fundamental things which you can't simulate. So the use cases which you're seeing is optimization, simulation, uh, and machine learning in a newer scale, but it's really reimagining the whole space. So what we're doing in this space is three things. So we've got a QTX um, uh, part of our labs play, which we're currently engaged with all the big major uh, quantum uh, computing <coughs> creators, which are uh, in like the IBM, Microsoft, Google, and then we're also working with this uh, an Intel. And then with the startups in that space, we're currently engaged with a lot of the smaller upcoming startups, like uh, which who are all uh, which we are also actively engaged with the World Economic Forum, Global Futures for Quantum Computing, and then some of the cool startups that are coming up, like D-Wave, IonQ. You're seeing uh, One Qubit. There's a lot of interesting. Uh, PSI quantum. So a lot of new startups coming in into the space and really trying to figure out. And the third most important thing which we're really working on is working with our large customers, both in the enterprise industry vertical and also in the engineering space to really identify use cases and those specific problem sets, correct? Which currently they are trying to address using very complex, expensive HPC use cases, or they're trying to do a lot of partial randomized simulation, but they can't really simulate because today they don't have that capability and ability to identify the use cases and then try to marry them with what's happening. Quantum is still, you have experimental prototype quantum computers available. There are some specific annealing type computers like which which are being built for a very specific use case, correct? As a specific uh, use case type uh, quantum annealers which are there. I think this is a space just three to five years away. Uh, but there will be a lot of early stage prototypes will continue to come. You, you have access to a quantum computer today, correct? But only thing is that 
this is way back we are in the same stages as we were in 1950s and 60s you have to write stuff on assembly language right you need to use circuit composer you need to use quasm so it's still evolving because the hardware software stacks are all connected to each other correct so i think that's where we are in in quantum i think it's, if there is one technology which i feel has an ability to impact a lot of things which we do at an exponential way i think it's quantum in the next decade so in the 2020 to 2030 i think that's one tech which can fundamentally reimagine the way we uh, think about computing and the way we could solve real world problems so last question but i think it's on the minds of the listeners right now so how is quantum computing related to cloud computing and are we able to access quantum computing capabilities through clouds see see the, the 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 real fact is that we've digitalized a big part of our world using classical computers and then cloud allows you to access classical computing at scale so one need to look at quantum computer not as a standalone entity but but think of like if you go back to 20 years back you had a floating point unit with a cpu you had a graphical processing unit with a cpu like a gpu correct you have to start reimagining quantum as a, like a qpu correct uh, in a more in a equivalent hypothetical status you have quantum processing units which get coupled with Uh, classical computers which means that you will you will schedule certain types of problems which on which a qpu can handle but you will still access them using the cloud computing way so you will still access compute resources storage networking resources your input to the problem because you might want to use quantum to compute but your you might want to prepare the problem or or the algos would still be prepared in a classical computer and inputted into a quantum state and you would measure the output back uh, using some of the classical registers so hence these two worlds will continue to live they're not going to replace each other so cloud will enable access it's just like the way you can enable apis for different capabilities on the cloud you will still get quantum computing as a consumable entity on cloud as a, a business model So KK, it was great talking to you. I tell you, you're very enthusiastic about technology and your technology specifically. So where can we learn more about HCL? Where can we find you guys on the web? So if you want to know more about HCL, please go to www.hcltech.com and you will get access to most of the information about HCL or you could follow us at HCL Tech on Twitter or in LinkedIn at HCL Technologies. Yeah, please check out those guys. I get uh, briefings about once a month and Moss isn't growing on them. They're innovating and moving very quickly uh, in a space that's also moving very quickly, which is good. So please pick up a copy of my book, Cloud Computing and Silicon Convergence, available on Amazon and other places books are sold. Also make sure to follow me on Twitter at, at David Linthicum, L-I-N-T-H-I-C-U-M, as well as LinkedIn Learning, where I have several cloud computing courses that you can check out there. I think I have 40 right now. So until next time, best of luck in building your cloud computing systems or whatever you're doing with technology. We'll talk to you real soon. You guys take good care. We do hope that you've enjoyed this and we want to once again thank our sponsor this week, HCL Technology. And if you would like to find out more, read our reports, check out our webinars or blogs or any of the other content we create, you can go to gigaohm.com and subscribe to the full body of technology knowledge that we have on offer. For Gigaohm, I'm Johnny Baldisberger, and this has been Voices in Innovation.